Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Valerie. My name is Valerie. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I have a healthy relationship with food, a healthy relationship with my body because of this program. Healthy relationship with exercise. My goodness. Welcome to the newcomers. There are so many of you here today. This is... I can't curse. (laughs) This is a fucking phenomenal program. No, seriously. Seriously. Um... Welcome, 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 welcome home. Congratulations to the chip takers and happy birthday. So, I know it's usually what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, but I have way too many miracles and blessings that I can't wait until 20 minutes into this share on the what it's like now to share. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share those blessings and miracles now and interweave the what it was like in there. But before I do that, just so you kind of a snapshot of me, I first came into the rooms in 2010. I had a two-year relapse from about 2015 to last year. I have a worked all steps in this program. I have a sponsor, and she is here tonight. Thank you for coming. And I also sponsor. So I have a sponsor in this program. And today is exactly one year, two months abstinent from that relapse. My abstinence now is I don't eat after, I don't eat snack foods after 10 p.m. My abstinence, I had about four and a half years of abstinence beginning in 2010. May 17, 2010 was actually the first abstinence date. And that abstinence is I don't binge out of bags and boxes. So that's kind of what, what the snapshot of what, I, what my recovery here looks like. Restricting is part of my story. I tried to be bulimic, but once the food goes down, it tends to stay down. So I used exercise as a form of bulimia. I've also used the laxatives and restricting. So I have both sides of this thing. Now, blessings. I can keep a box of cereal in my home now for more than an afternoon. It used to be that I would have this box of cereal, and I just could not stop eating it. I'd be crying, like, what the am I doing? I can have the same box of cereal in my home and walk by it, and it's like, oh, it's been two weeks. That's cool. That's amazing. I actually don't have red light foods, except after 10 p.m., um, and that's, ser- that's seriously, that's the beauty of this program. This program is a little different from, you know, AA. It's like AA tends to be cut and dry. This one, it ranges because, as you can see with my recovery, my abstinence today is not the same as it was in 2000, from 2010 to 2014, right? So with my higher power, with my sponsor, with my fellows, I get to see what is that what is it really like? What is the core of my disease? And when I was in that two-year relapse, there was just a, a lot of things had been lifted, thank God, 
through the first four and a half years, but the thing that crept back in was this nighttime eating. Like after 10 p.m., I would have certain foods that provided a comfort for me because I could not endure the pain of night. And that term, the pain of night, came through as I was journaling about it. Writing is a tool. It is a phenomenal tool. I actually am a writer. So I actually published a book. Writing comes very easily to me. I love it. I love it. I love it. And it's the way that I can process and get in touch with the, the inner workings of this mind in a way that talking about it doesn't necessarily do. And it was in a journaling a few months back where... I saw, oh, it's this pain of night that I was terrified to endure from 2015 to 2017 almost every single night for two years. Almost every single night I was partaking in this binge behavior with food, showing up to work drunk on food the next day, acting a little insane to the people I was supposed to serve because I did not feel great in this body because I had a hangover from the food the night before. Not today. Not today, by the grace of this program. Another miracle is I can have a thought about a food item, like, oh, I haven't had deep fried Oreos in a while. And the thought will leave me. And then it may come back in two months, hmm, maybe I'll go get some deep fried Oreos. By the way, like I said, I don't have any heart like foods I cannot touch. So that's not the that's not the miracle. The miracle is it came and then it left. I wasn't thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Like, you know, hot dogs was another thing. Like I like those street, you know, those street vendor hot dogs. You come out from some event or whatever and they're doing their thing on the side of the street with these hot dogs. And it came through my mind. I was like, I haven't had one of those hot dogs in a while. I haven't had a hot dog in a while. And then the thought left me. And it was like three months later. It's like, okay, I'll get a hot dog. But I could take it or leave it. I could take it or leave it. I couldn't before coming into this program. You know, it'd be 10 p.m. at night. I'd be watching something, the pain of night would come, you know, just terrified of it being dark and all the whatever I experienced when I was young, doesn't matter. But something about that night time would hit and I'd have to go to the Rite Aid. I was compelled to go to the Rite Aid and stock up on a bag full of whatever, bring it home and have it like create this cocoon around me for like a second. And no more today. I don't have to do that today. Another miracle. I can have a food, right? So cereal, like I said, I didn't eat cereal. No big deal. This is what happened actually the other uh, two weeks ago. I had a bowl of cereal. I was involved in something else. So that bowl was there and it kept getting soggy and soggy, soggy. And then I was like, I don't really want this cereal anymore. A full bowl. I dumped it down the garbage disposal. Miracle. Another miracle is, so I did say exercise bulimia has been part of my experience. And I'm able to now get in touch with what is my why for going to this gym, right? Is it, if, 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 if the answer is, it has 
anything to do with I'm going to the gym as a way to manipulate this divine body, I don't go. If, on the other hand, me going to the gym, I have the idea, oh, this, you know what, I really want to move my body because this feels great and I get to connect with other people in the classes, then I can go. But if it's the former, I keep my ass at home or I go for a light walk or I do anything but exercise in that way because I know there was something that someone said to me no it was in a meeting or she heard it in a meeting and then she said to me that's what it was she said when she came into this program she forfeited the right to manipulate her body and that really stayed with me because that is feeding the dis-ease first of all I thought as someone who was uh, taking a candle you know I thought the problem was my weight I really did. And also in my background is weight going up 30 pounds, down 30 pounds, up 60 down. You know, it's whatever. It's, that's been part of my story. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. If not, then, oh, well, I guess I'm the only one. Um, so I lost my train of thought. Something to do with exercise and 30 pounds. No. You know what? I'm going to talk about another miracle. Another miracle is those calculations that I would do, right? I, oh, that's what it was. Because someone, the, one of the birthday people was talking about, she thought, both, you know, I used to think that the problem was my weight. Once I get the weight down, then I'll be able to partake in these binge behaviors because I won't have as much weight on my body. So therefore, even if I were to gain just like five or 10 pounds more, it wouldn't be that bad because I would be lower. So I just need to get the weight lower. Do you all relate to this? Like the, you know, this was constantly happening, constantly happening. And that's on top of every other thing that was happening in my life. This constant hamster wheel, if I just, if I just, if I just, if I just. But that wasn't really the problem. So there are so many more miracles, and I wrote some stuff down so I could, but I'm just going to riff. I'm just going to, there's something else that wants to come through. I am so grateful. You know, I've got some challenging stuff that's been going on in my personal life and professional life since I came back into the rooms and I'm so grateful that I don't have calculations happening in my brain trying to figure out how to fix this body where nothing it ain't broke but yet I need to try and fix it so I can feel safe with all the other stuff that feels unmanageable in my life but for today and for the last year and change my body, my food feels manageable. So when I first came in in 2010, before that, it never crossed my mind that I could live without binging. I thought that this was going to be part of my life forever. As I said, I thought the problem was my weight, so I just need to get the weight down and then by the way, something else I, I didn't share when I qualified earlier is I think I'm down 30 pounds from last year. I don't know because I don't live by a scale anymore. I don't need to step on it because then the value system that trumps the intrinsic value that I have as a divine creature 
will come into play. So I don't need numbers. But based on the people who are around me, um, one of the things I do is I teach fitness and dance classes, so I'm in front of mirrors a lot. And so I'll have some lovely, well-meaning students and members. Oh, my God, Valerie, you have lost so much weight. How much is it? 20, 20 or 30 pounds? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, and I don't care. I don't tell them I don't care. But in my mind, I'm like, I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> to be able to say that, first of all, you know, and this is not to say that there are days where I'm like, I see someone and just like, I wonder how much she weighs. You know, maybe if I were like that then, and I'm just like, I pull myself back. I'm like, whoa, they're there. Max, that's a compulsive overeater. But here it is. It gets to end there. And if it continues a little bit, I've got meetings to come to. I've got a sponsor I can call. I have fellows I can call. I've got writing I can do. I have fear inventories I can write. But I don't have to stand in front of the mirror envisioning actually having a knife in my hand, being too scared to actually slice myself, but being like, if only maybe I just took some of this fat off, then I would feel better. I've actually done that. I've envisioned slicing the fat off of me because I wasn't good enough. Not today. Not today. Today, my practice is actually, I have some outside help, and, and we're doing, we're doing this, this work around me falling in love with the person that I see in the mirror. Like, actually, instead of averting gaze, like, actually being like, you know what? Every time I pass a reflection, this is my practice now. Hey, sexy. Hey, gorgeous. Hey, beautiful. I never really said those things to myself growing up. And it's been a while since I've been a child, and it, you know, it does pain me a lot at times to say, wow, like, I wish I could, I wish my parents did this for me when I was younger, you know, I wish I didn't have these challenges in the romance department, because if I was speaking to myself in this way when I was younger, then maybe, then maybe things there would be a little different. But you know what, I, as a, as an addict, I cannot really afford the luxury of it takes me to some dark places when I go to, man, if only things had been like that, then that wouldn't have happened. And then before you know it, I'm in a depressive spiral and I want to commit suicide. Suicidal ideations is a part of my story. And to be completely honest with you, because I'm just cool with being raw, I had suicidal ideations earlier today. I did. But I'll tell you what it wasn't about. It wasn't about my body. It wasn't about this divine vessel that I'm in. That's a big difference. I used to wish I I used to wish death on myself because this body was unacceptable. Not today. I don't wish death on myself because anything to do with this body. Because of this program. So when I came to my first my first week of meetings, right? Before I said, I, it never crossed my mind growing up being a 16-year-old, being in college, never crossed my mind that I could actually live without this, without partaking in the behavior until I came into these rooms. There are three things I feel like flipped the switch for me. 
One was coming into these rooms and seeing, like, taking chips and candles is vital. It's vital for the person who was me when I came in. I remember seeing that first person. It was in the cottage, 1260 18th Street. And this person stood up, and I think she was blonde. She took a, or maybe brunette. Well, what a, how much difference is there between blonde, brunette? Maybe she was a redhead. She was a person. Doesn't matter. Um, and she took a, a chip for 30 days, and it was like, you cannot do this? Hmm. Something started working in me. Another, another thing was I kept hearing this just for today. You just need to be abstinent today because that was the other thing. Yes, there's this miracle of people being abstinent, this thing called abstinence. Holy shit. How? Girl, don't worry about it. Just stay abstinent today. When I came back from relapse last year, April 22nd or 23rd, I felt so I felt so humiliated. I'm like, I gotta take a welcome chip again. Actually, I was kind of silent in the room. So I was like, I'm just gonna be incognito. These people aren't gonna know that uh, I'm coming back from relapse. But I remember thinking, oh my gosh. But then 30 days came, and then 60 days came, and then 90 days. And then a birthday, and I'm like, how did that happen so fast? One day at a time. One day at a time. So I heard this thing from a fellow when at the end of meetings, you, when, you know, we say, keep coming back, it works if you work it, and you're worth it, so work it. What she said instead was, she said, keep coming back, it works if you let it, and you're worth it. So the way, how I let this program work for me is by taking certain actions. And one of those actions, a tool is, you know, meetings is a tool, but that, that, that phone, that telephone, right? July 4th, 2010, it was my first barbecue in abstinence. And I was at my friend's, my best friend's place, and there was all this food out, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I took my ass. I went to the car. I made nine outreach calls before I got someone. Nine. And I think I cre- I don't even remember the phone call. I don't remember the conversation. I do remember making nine calls because I was like, I'm not going back into that party until I talk to someone because I don't know what I'm going to do with all that food. Bless you. And it ended up being fine. Working it, I don't need to do this now, and this is also actually another miracle, but when I first came in, I would go to these networking events or what have you. Uh, Once again, there's platters of food, and I remember turning over to my sponsor, I'm only going to have two salad plates. That's it. And then I'm going to text you when I'm done. And I did that. Now... So that's willingness, the actually bookending what I'm going to have because this dis-ease, I don't know what's, what's going to happen once I step in, but I know that if I've given you my word, I don't want to be a liar. So I'll keep my word. I, won't, I will just keep it to two salad plates. Today I don't need to do that. Like I said, to, it has been 
it's in the in the big book it says we recoil as if from a hot flame right from those triggers that used to be these like oh my gosh like i used to i used to go home from these parties and events thank you with a stuffed belly like how did this happen i want to cry but yet i also want to eat some more ice cream so I've had this happen several times this year, and even last year from being newly back. And this here it is, it's cumulative. So I left for two years, but all that program was still in me. It really was. I come back into the rooms, I go to these networking events, and I, I don't need to turn over commitments anymore. It's really, they're not triggers for me anymore. You know, I have a, pl a plate or whatever. Sometimes I leave hungry. I'm like, that's cool. But I can stay centered and have conversations and speak to people who I want to have conversations with and actually be present and in my body and in these other, and like having fun. I'm not hiding out in the food table. That's a miracle. Miracle. I'm so grateful. For, there are so many things I'm grateful for. I'm so grateful that I'm here and to hear the chip takers and, and, and all like the hugs for welcome and keep coming back and because you know, I had some really dark thoughts earlier today. I'm going to be completely honest. And they're about romance and finance. All right? I'm like, I want to drive my car off this cliff right now because this feels really unmanageable. But I came into this, I had my butt in that seat right there, and I heard all of you, and I was like, I felt this, like, calm wash over me. Like, I'm with my peeps. I'm with my peeps. And y'all get it, too. And thank God, I don't have to add crazy brain with food, crazy calculations, and living my life by tapes and, and calipers and, and all that. Like, I can be in my body. I can feel all these feelings. It's a miracle that when I feel triggered, I will go to crying. I will go to, and even if it's happiness, too, that's another one. You know, not deflecting the happiness by immediately calling someone and then like dumping it on them so I don't really have to fully feel it in my body. That's something that I realized actually earlier uh, this year that I turned over to my sponsors. Like, you know what? There are these great sensations and great things that happen. Before I call somebody and like turn it over, I'm going to give it 48 hours. Let me just actually feel the fullness of this thing that's been happening. It's for me. And then once that, the fullness of that sensation has dissipated, then I'll tell somebody else. Because I noticed that that was a way that I was also deflecting and, like, really feeling that. So I can, you know, I can do my other modalities that I do to help process feelings and whatever. And this is not to say that I don't have trigger food sometimes. Like, I recently put some snack foods down because I was like, I'm eating these things way too much. So I turned over to my sponsor. Actually, even before I turned over to my sponsor, and this is the gift of this program, I automatically immediately just put them down. And it was after the fact that I turned over to my sponsor said, you know those things I've been eating? I'm going to give it a 30 days, just a 30-day no contact. Mm -hmm. And I can walk by it in the grocery store, and it's really not a big deal. This program. I didn't talk too much about higher power, but what I will say is that the higher power I had coming in is not the same higher power I have now. First of all, this higher power is way too infinite, way too big for me to give it a word or a name. So um, what I will say is growing up, my higher power was a little bit more masculine, and now this last six months to a year, really been exploring with the more feminine 
feeling higher power and a word that I heard two days ago, someone called her higher power divine beloved. That feels, that feels beautiful. My divine beloved gives a shit about my body, you know? My divine beloved, I when I feel into that energy of my higher power, it's soft and sweet, right? Because it's very easy for me to, you know, universal intelligence. That's another name, you know, I sometimes give my higher power. Maybe I'll go to that higher power when I'm, like, help writing a contract or something. But, like, higher power is so infinitely vast. There are so many sides to this higher power that I can access at any point in time for anything that I'm dealing with. And it's not, it's not a perfect, it's not perfect by any means. You know, it's just one day at a fucking time. I want to take questions, so thank you for listening. The question was if I can talk about how program and recovery has affected my familial and romantic relationships. Okay, one thing I forgot to, well, not forgot to, it just didn't flow through me um, to say was that I actually, I work multiple programs. So OA was my, is my, was my first program. I got four others, people. And so how program, when I hear program, it's not just OA because I'm a 12-stepper in multiple areas. And so I have programs for people. And there's, there were other programs, I won't name them because that's outside issue. But there are other programs that I have gone to that have helped me with setting boundaries, with, hey, Dad, you know that thing that you would, like, text me randomly for, like, years? You don't get to do that anymore. And then to have him hear it. And be, pretty much, you, if you want to have a relationship with me, that shit needs to stop. And then have him be like, okay, I hear you. So boundaries is the biggest thing. Like, really setting them and, and keeping them. So that's the way that program has really helped with my familiar relationships. And the other thing, too, like I said, I really go to other programs for this. It's um, I don't have to change the other person. And realizing and seeing when I have expectations around what they are or aren't doing and that that's actually the cause of my misery, not what they are actually do, what they are or aren't doing. And that way it puts it puts the power where it belongs back on me because I can't control them. And there was one other thing in there that I can't remember, but if I do, I'll tell you after. Yes. Thanks, Molly. Have you talked about specifics um, your process with step work in here? Sure. Uh, so the question was if I can talk about specifics in my process with step work. I have it here. So my sponsor took me through the steps in, uh, out of the OA 12 and 12, which is the OA, for those who don't know what it is, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And step one, man, first of all, that, that was a game changer for me to see that this isn't my fault. Holy, this is a disease. Okay, I can work with that because if it were all about willpower, I failed over and over. But it's that admittance of powerlessness 
that then that higher power, that divine beloved can come through and help dictate, you know, girl, you're not going to pick that up today. So I worked all the steps through the OA 12 and 12, and sometimes I would do readings out of the AA 12 and 12, but mostly it was the OA 12 and 12. And what my sponsor had me do, which I do with my sponsee, is I would just read through the chapter, and I would highlight what stands out for me, and then I would do writing on why it stood out for me. And then when I was done with the chapter, I would uh, schedule an appointment with my sponsor and then turn it over to her. And so that's the, that was my process of formally working the steps. And that OA 12 and 12, hearing the language of what I was doing with food and body, man, it was a game changer for me. Because then I got to see, wow, I'm not alone in all this. And there are so many thousands and thousands and thousands, probably millions of people who have walked this path and have managed to stay abstinent. I can too. Any other questions? I don't remember my step three experience. So I've worked the steps in four times across four programs, and I'm working it a fifth time now, uh, repeating it in one of those programs. I don't remember my third step in, in OA, to be honest. And because I feel like I had had that experience kind of in my step one when I was just, I came in already, like I grew up, I grew up spiritual and religious, so I didn't have problem with the God thing. If anything, my step two experience helped me amplify and see how this higher power could come into this area of my life. So by the time step three, maybe I don't remember step three because it was easy. Like I had already been abstaining before I got to that step. So it was just like, let's just keep rocking and rolling. I remember my fourth step and my ninth step, though. <laughs> I remember those steps really well. But um, but the third step, it, it just it was like, let's continue. Thank you all for having me.